welcome everybody to this edition of Hockey Week Prime, also simulcasted on the Hockey Week in Review. I'm David Stearns, the Rant Man, joined with Johnny B. John Baranowski on the line. John, how you doing this evening? Dave, I'm doing great. It's a big thing to have. Not even graduation can stop this show. I'm back in Mercyhurst. You're down in D.C., and this is going to return to television at some point in the near future. Hopefully we do get that back in the works. I know you're working hard on that on your end up there in Erie, Pennsylvania at Mercyhurst. And, uh, of course, I'm just living down here in the uh, cushy lifestyle of the nation's capital. Apparently what um, they coined down here as the uh, capital of hockey, which uh, I, I actually disagree with to all yeah, levels. Isn't that Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they hate to say it, fellas. As much as they hate the Leafs, they kind of run the league financially. Yeah, just throw that out there. Well, it's just a terrible ad campaign that they're running, which is absolutely absurd, if you ask me. It's like, uh, I, I, I forgot what the... I, I'm going to look it up here. I'm going to cheat a little bit because I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's like a capital uh, a city of hockey or something. Um, what, what, do, you, do you know it off the top of your head? No, I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, it's this big. This is new to me, Oh, uh, I think it's hockey's capital. Yeah, uh, building America's hockey capital. Yeah. Now, if they were building hockey capital again, they'd give the Leafs the All Star game. They build up a lot of capital right there. Uh huh. See, now that's the thing. That's another thing that troubles me. They say America's hockey capital, but uh, do they forget that uh, Canada is actually part of North America? So uh, where 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 is this line supposed to be drawn somewhere? <laughs> no. I don't know, but I have voted for state of hockey's capital city, and they have a lot of itty bitty towns in in Minnesota, including Everett, Hibbing, and Richfield of Minnesota. Oh, and, and South Saint Paul. I want to vote for South Saint Paul. Not I think what you're looking at, Dave. South. St. Paul, really? We're, we're going to yeah, go there. Yeah, far. South St. Paul and Thief River Falls and all those great little towns in Minnesota. Oh, goodness gracious. I was up there in Minneapolis and I was very disappointed to find out that the Excel Energy Center, where the Minnesota Wild are located, is actually in St. Paul, not Minneapolis. But whatever. Yeah, the, <laughs> the North Stars were located in Minneapolis, but the Wild are now in St. Paul. That might be actually part of their success. Well, probably. I mean, they, they've sold out every game uh, since their inception back in uh, 2000. I believe they missed one game in the sellout ever since then, if I'm not mistaken. They, they, uh, they also have uh, the only team that retired the number one for the fans. Uh, really kind of an interesting little thing there. But uh, they also had one of my favorite promotions ever. They made a jersey patch that said, you know, like, the state of hockey and it had, like, a line of people. It was just an interesting little generic-ish design. And the team also wore that patch on the ice. So if you were wearing a wild jersey, they would put that patch on your jersey right there in the, in the arena for no cause. Huh. I thought that was a nifty little thing. No kidding. Well, um, no. I, I, I wish more teams would actually do that for their fans because... The fans definitely drive the sport. And speaking of fans not driving to support their team, I was watching the Buffalo Sabres play against the Atlanta Thrashers last night. I swear to God, at the beginning of the game, maybe the first period and a half, there was nobody in the lower bowl on TV. And that's a real shame. I don't know why that hockey fans are anti-getting to their seats early. It's something that plagues the entire sport, and I just don't understand it. I also think it was just people sneaking down after the fact that they saw all these open seats and they paid 60 Actually, there were tickets starting out at $12 for that game, believe it or not. And uh, I believe those people had bought the $12 tickets, which I've actually been to Phillips Arena. Beautiful facility. I sat up in the upper deck with a bunch of Sabres fans. It was last March. I was down there on business. And I actually sat up there and I kept moving down further and further, uh, or closer and closer to the ice. And it's like I paid sixty dollars. I did it legit. I went online, paid sixty bucks, midsection three hundreds. I learned my lesson. I can get a twelve dollar ticket for the very last row in the entire arena, and then move all the way down on twelve dollars. It's pretty. It's pretty sad. It is sad, and the fact that the NHL keeps trying to support those teams is absolutely astounding. Why they even bother to keep that stuff going? 
Let's put it this way. We're not saying anything new that no hockey fan has figured out before. But there's no reason to keep supporting these franchises. They obviously cannot support themselves. Well, speaking of supporting fans, um, let's get into one of the topics here. Uh, we're going to talk about where things stand right now, five, six games deep into this very, very young season. But speaking of which, we're talking about Minnesota there for a minute. Uh, Minnesota versus Vancouver. John, what happened? Well, uh, Rippin, uh, as I try to find this, Rick Rippin, which is a great name, <laughs> ended up assaulting a fan. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to simply call it what it is. He assaulted a fan. There was a scuffle on the ice prior to this. Uh, a nice little uh, altercation between he and the Minnesota Wild. Nice little pile up in front of the bench. And then when he was on the bench being thrown out by the officials, one of the fans allegedly said, way to be a professional. And started clapping. And you can see him clapping there. And the man reaches over the, the railing to try and pull this fan over. And if the, luckily for him, his brother, also in a Minnesota Wild jersey, helps to separate this. They're escorted out by the ushers. And uh, right now this fan is seeking legal recourse against Rick Rippin. Yeah, he did say he was, in fact, assaulted. And, you know, criminal charges uh, are pending. And uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, this took place in Minnesota? Yeah, well, that would make sense considering that Vancouver's in the white sweaters here. Yeah. So, well, you know, we've seen instances on, you know, with activity on the ice, such as uh, the McSorley incident, you know, where assault charges were charged, uh, well, well, put up against uh, Brashear. And um, it's just, that was in Vancouver. That That was in British Columbia. But this instance was in Minnesota, and I'm interested to see what the St. Paul police will actually put up against uh, Rick Rippon in this instance. Uh, there is a legal, or there's not a legal code of conduct, but a league code of conduct that does, um, I guess, disapprove against any interaction with fans as far as any, any inappropriate behavior. And, I mean, over the years, we've seen instances where, like, fans have fallen into penalty boxes and Ty Domi, you know, beat the crap out of somebody. Uh, we've also seen John Tortorella spray a water bottle at a fan through the crack of the glass, uh, Rangers caps two years ago. We've seen plenty of instances, but is this, like, one of the few instances? I mean, I can remember back to the 70s, like, we've had brawls with, like, the Boston Bruins and the fans getting like, involved. Like Wilbury beating a man with his own shoe, yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, there's definitely those instances. But uh, it, you should never attack a fan. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, and, and having looked at all these things, if I could put in a plug, not, not for something of mine, but on Hulu there is an unbelievable documentary series called Pioneers. It's really from NHL Network. It's NHL Pioneers, but I think it's just listed as Pioneers. Mm-hmm. And they interview 13 of the old guys. And perhaps my personal favorite is Ted Lindsay, who's a former Detroit Red Wing, the man who tried to start the, uh, the uh, NHL Players Association the first time around way back in, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Well, he realized that the fans are the ones who pay his salary. Not anyone else, not Clarence Campbell, etc. Uh, not Clarence, his father. Anyway, he realized that the fans are the ones that pay his salary. And this was the time before the glass. So fans would literally just lean up against the board's elbows on and watch him play. Well, when he won the Stanley Cup, he ended up picking up the cup off the table and skating it around to show the fans. And that's where the tradition actually starts, uh-huh. skating the uh, skating the Stanley Cup. Yep. That kind of mentality needs to be adopted by any and all NHL players. Mm-hmm. The NHL especially is a, is a ticket-driven league because they don't have a huge TV deal. There aren't any massive marketing deals. Everything the NHL has is mainly because of fan support. Right. So they really, there is no instance where a professional athlete should attack a fan. Well, John, you talk about Ty Domi, the penalty mm-hmm. box glass gave way. Uh, it's not good, but uh, at least you can throw that kind of label on it. Well, Some of the other ones were squirting water bottles, making gestures. Right. That stuff happens, and I, I'm actually all for that kind of stuff. But to actually assault a fan, you're talking about a hockey player who's pretty good at scrapping and a fan. Now, what happens this fan was, was like 6'5 or you know, 220 or whatever his brother said he was. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the point remains, you should never attack your boss. Right. 
Well, John, let me let me just put this uh, thought out there. You know, over the years, we've seen a lot more exposure of like the players uh, to their fans. We've seen such things as, uh, for instance, I saw firsthand this Washington Capitals convention that has sprung up two years ago that's become an annual tradition where the fans actually interact with the players and get to ask questions to the general managers, interact with the, you know a lot of the staff and a lot of the players and the general managers, even Ted Leonsis, the owner. Um, th- we leave that access so easy for the fans to you know get direct contact with the players in the organization, and it almost seems like we have expectations where they should listen to what we have to say directly um, as of recent, in order to do better marketing. Also, let me point out one thing. Uh, traditionally, with the Stanley Cup, like you said about Ted Lindsay starting the tr- uh, tribute to the fans with the skate around the rink with the cup, realize that it wasn't until the early 90s did we actually have a full-fledged celebration on the ice outside of the one lap around the rink with the cup and then straight into the dressing room. That was where Ted Lindsay started that tradition, but it has become more of an involved uh, I guess voyeuristic kind of celebration now, where the fans are pretty much involved, almost in a 360 way. That uh, fans have a lot of say now in the NHL. Does that contribute to why fan violence, uh, uh, you know, with the players, is more accessible? Just so much as it is that the players are accessible to the fans themselves. Uh, I, I don't know about from a violence uh, point of view. But it, it's all our society becoming far more connected. Mm-hmm. It just, I just read a story earlier, and if I can find who, who's person is, Matt Moltz of the New York Islanders. Uh-huh. Someone used it, he just tweeted on his Twitter account. That, I don't know the terminology. I refuse to use Twitter. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he tweeted, tweeted on a Twitter account to, you know, could he come outside the hotel and sign a couple autographs? Oh, boy. And Matt Molson actually came down and signed autographs. That's dangerous. Yeah, so, well, I mean, for something like that is phenomenal. And, Dave, considering that you post on your Facebook where you are thanks to Foursquare at all times of the day. Hey, I don't do I don't that anymore. <laughs> oh, don't you now? No, I don't. Oh, like it. That, that thwarts my plan of stalking you in a, in a trench coat and sunglasses, trying to freak you out. But uh, believe me, Dave, I'm sure you'll relapse soon enough. Great. Anyways. I, I mean, for something like that, for, for connectability, it goes both ways. I, the players want to be doing this, all this tweeting and connecting and social networking that has absolutely swept our, our cultural landscape. And at the same time, the fans are able to get far more accessibility thanks to the Internet. There was a time where the All-Star Game was, was the greatest thing in the world, simply because you'd see players like Wayne Gretzky and Gordy Howe playing with each other. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see that elsewhere. I mean, a lot of times you didn't see anyone outside of your viewing area. You may, you might get to see that team come to town once, but that's it. The All Star Game was special because you saw all these stars on the ice at the same time. You can do that through NHL Center Ice Package by flipping channels, and you can see everybody. That's why the All Star Game's out of vogue. Uh, it's really it's a it's a two way street, but I don't see where the violence comes from. I mean, is that just too much drinking or what? I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Mm-hmm. But I don't see there's, well, there's any reason for a player, a professional, a man who was paid up to millions of dollars, should attack someone who bought a ticket to go see that. Well, even still, you have thousands of fans booing you at one given time during a game. If, like, you're trapped in your own zone and fans aren't appreciating the fact that you don't you're not presenting any entertaining offense to the game. Thousands of fans are booing you. Are you going to throw down the gloves and say, come on, fans, let's go? I mean, that's almost the same thing that went on here. It's almost like the this player, Rick Rippon from the Vancouver Canucks, was not you know, displaying something of liking to the opposing team's fans. So is it fair to say, come on, let's go, let's do this? I mean, it, it's, it's words. It, it shouldn't be – I mean – for crying out loud, this guy's making tons of money by skating on the ice, and this fan's up there in the stands paying 50, or actually where he was sitting, probably a 100 or so dollars to sit there. Should Rippon really have cared what the fan said? I mean, it, you can barely audibly hear what any one individual is screaming in that crowd, but to hear an actual sentence cognitively, uh, does it really warrant the, uh, the the reaching up, grabbing, and pulling down, and almost wanting to beat the crap out of one guy in the stands? I mean, what the hell? 
Yeah, I, I, it, it really comes down to if you're paid that much, you should be able to rise above it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I post on Puckett. Of course, we reference Puckett uh, on Yahoo all the time. Great guy, Greg Wyshynski. We actually got to interview him on a past uh, mm-hmm. past episode of this. Uh, but there was a, a post from J- Justin Bourne of why players shouldn't have to tolerate fan abuse. And I think it is the biggest whining I have seen in a long time. <laughs> These guys are paid millions of dollars to play a game. That's what it is. It's a game. It's the opiate of the masses that people like you and I, Dave, get to get all analytical about and really enjoy. So we don't have to worry about the rest of life's ills. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, that's what sports are. And that's what we love. We have passion for this. As I sit here sitting in a Penguins jersey on the phone with you, Dave, yeah, I think I, you know, I make my point that we love doing this. Mm-hmm. Now, what it comes down to is these guys are professional athletes. It's a job that any utopian society probably wouldn't include simply because what does it really do for the society? Exactly. Not that much. These guys are supposed to be able to go out there, do their show thing, play the game, and then go make millions of dollars. Well, I mean, if anything, it's like Roman gladiators, if if you will. I mean, that's pretty much where we would put them in the societal level, then, of any ancient uh, society. Well, you're right down to it. I mean, it's like that, but they survive a lot longer, and they're paid a lot better. Yeah. I I mean, it is a misnomer that every gladiator died in every battle. (laughs) They actually went for quite a long time, and there were crowd favorites, just like there are in today's sport. Mm -hmm. But they didn't get paid anywhere near what these guys do, even adjusted for inflation. Well, you know, it's almost like, you know, if we were to sit here and trash one particular player, you know, on our show, like if we were to call out out of nowhere Mike Madano and call him old, washed up, piece of crap who shouldn't be playing anymore, uh, he's a terrible hockey player, he was great in his day, why sully your numbers by going to the Detroit Red Wings, what the heck are you doing? If we were to go ahead and go on record and say all that, and he heard this show, I mean, what better response could he do that, you know, to, to provide in rebuttal then go out on the ice and actually prove us wrong or just sit there and brush us off because we're just a bunch of mere podcasters. So shouldn't Rick uh, Rick Rippon have had the same attitude that, well, he's just one fan out of the thousands that came here tonight. Who cares? Why didn't he have that attitude? You know what I mean? Exactly. He became a hothead for no reason against the wrong people. It should not have happened. He only wanted to talk from a legal point of view. These guys are public figures because they play the sport of hockey and they're out on television almost every night. They're public figures. Mm -hmm. If we were to lie about Mike Madonna in such a way, he would have to prove that we were lying and knew we were lying because he's a public figure. If he was not, if he was a private figure, it would be the other way around. Because these guys are public figures, they should know they have to have a a higher standard. Mm -hmm. There's really, there's no excuse for it ripping in my book. Well, you also got like public harassment, defamation, you know, the, uh, you know, just the harassment that you could possibly go with. I mean, if we were to sit here and to trash Mike Madonna, as you say in that example that I gave there, um, I mean, that would make sense. But for Rick but Rippin... even then, you'd have to prove that we were causing a problem. I mean, we're talking about one guy who was chirping him at one point. Uh, chirping being, of course, the hockey player. All you hockey players should know that. Exactly. Uh, uh, people, you know, dissing one another on the ice. Mm-hmm. One extra chirp from a fan should mean nothing to this guy. But, John, he threw his keys at me. <laughs> yeah, he threw a tire iron, I know, a tire iron. <laughs> Was it a tire iron? Oh, he, th- uh, he hit him in the face with his keys and <laughs> slap shot, of I course, a folks. Tire iron and, uh, uh, you can't see that? <laughs> Well, all right, I think we've beaten this dead horse. Uh, and yeah, yeah, and Rick Griffin has beaten a few fans. Let, let's move on. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> so now yeah, let's let's take a look at what's going on so far. Uh, any surprises that come to mind here? I mean, uh, the season is only literally five games, six games, seven games for some. Even, even eight for teams like Chicago uh, have gone by in this season so far. Um, looking at the way things are shaping up, I can already name three surprises out of the East, which are quite obvious, and, you know, a couple of surprises out West this year to start. I mean, 
can I just throw out some teams and get your thoughts on them? Oh, but... oh, oh, Jeepers, Dave. Well, let me take a guess of those three surprises in the East, because uh-huh. I, I think we can beat each other to a punch on this one. Go for are it. Are those three surprises Toronto, Tampa Bay, and the Islanders? Oh, my God. You are psychic. How did you do I that? I am psychic, Dave. I, I am amazing. I, I, you know, <laughs> it's too bad Johnny Carson still isn't doing his little uh, uh, psychic thing, because yeah. I could definitely be all over that. <laughs> Yeah, so the Islanders, you know, well, actually, let's go the other way here. Toronto, really? J.S. Jaguar? Where did that come from? You know, I, I got to see them play last year at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and they look like a much better team. It is astounding. Now, I haven't gotten to see them too much this season, uh, but it, it really is that this team has gotten a whole lot better as far as getting their act together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really know how else to say it. It's the intangibles that these guys just look like they know where each other are on the ice. They're not trying to be a bunch of individuals. And I really, it looks a whole lot better out there. It's a better product. Well, you know, taking a look at the names on the team, you know, Clark MacArthur, for instance, here, this kid's already got five goals and one assist. He came, he started out his career in Buffalo and then was traded for a mere draft pick to Atlanta and Atlanta just didn't want to fork over any cash with him uh, at the end of last season. And then Toronto picks up the option on him. I mean, what an incredible turnaround for this kid's career. I mean, one day he's playing against Toronto, you know, six games out of the year. And now the next he's playing every game for Toronto and he's scoring. I mean, he's averaging a little more than a point a game. I mean, Phil Kessel, too, a guy that went so under the radar last year after that, you know, abysmal trade. I mean, yes... Boston did end up with, uh, who was it, Taylor Hall or Taylor Sagan? Uh, I think it was Sagan, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they traded Kessel to Toronto for the number two draft pick. And I think, you know, who ended up winning out of that deal was actually Toronto. It's just that they that they had to sit and, and just wait with some great patience. Ron Wilson, obviously not getting the results he wanted out of his team last year, but obviously he did lead Canada to a gold medal, which was, I guess, the you know the silver lining behind that situation. But The gold lining, if you will. Uh-huh, very good. And, of course, you know, with the... <laughs> yeah, the way that team was set up, my God. Um, but yeah. even, even still... Ron Wilson had a lot of patience going into this, you know, season coming up here. Last year, obviously, the results weren't so good. Uh, bringing over Jaguar from the West Coast. Well, actually, he, the the real kicker was, of course, Vesa Toscala, who he brought over with him, and then just kind of said, uh, what, what, what the heck are you doing here? It's almost like, you know, it's a stray dog that just kind of followed him across the country and just kicked him to the curb after all was said and done. Toscala was the biggest waste of time in Toronto, if I might say. And then Gustafson? Maybe he's a Phil Kessel in the same light where he has to wait. You know, we have to wait a year to see results out of him. But Toronto. Well, that, that's if his heart doesn't explode again. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, you look at this roster. Who is Clark MacArthur? Who is Nikolai Kuhlman? Uh-huh. Who, I mean, Luke Shen, Mikhail Grabowski are up on there. Who is Tyler Bozak? This, this team looks a lot like the, the San Jose Sharks of about 2005. Mm-hmm. As soon as they unloaded guys like Owen Nolan and, and uh, Vinny Damfus and all the guys who, you know, like, those are the San Jose Sharks. And it's like they traded away everybody and suddenly got better. People like Patrick Marlowe stepped up. Right. And yet you had a team that looked a whole lot better real quick. Well, I think this might be a little bit more of what it is. They have added a, a little more on the nobody side, mm-hmm. so that the, the lightning that is the Toronto hockey media isn't destroying any one character. Right. Uh, Phil Kessel obviously going to shoulder a lot. Kadito uh, Jan Shiger, but I think those two are able to handle what they have right now, and the rest has been distributed rather evenly. Well, if you take a look at that roster and go down those names as you were going, you know, going off there for a second. All of these guys came from different teams. They never started out originally with Toronto for the most part. I mean, Phil Kessel started out in Boston. Clark MacArthur started out in Buffalo. Mike Komisarek, if I'm not mistaken, he started out in either Calgary or Montreal. Uh, uh, Montreal, I think. It was Montreal. Dion Phaneuf came out of Calgary, of course. Uh, Christopher Sieg came out of Chicago. Francois Boschman came out of Anaheim. Michael Zigamanis came out of Phoenix. Colby Armstrong came out of Pittsburgh slash Atlanta. Um, Frederick Shrewstrom came out of Phoenix slash New York Rangers. 
Um, Jaguar came out of, obviously, Anaheim. These guys are just like the, the team rejects, if you will, that just kind of came together, except maybe for some exception with Phil Kessel, and I would even go maybe to the extent of J.S. Jaguar. But, I mean, all in all, these guys are just like the, the group, I guess the, um, I don't know, the misfits that just fit, you know what I mean? Yeah, now, if only they could get Walter Matthau to coach them. That's really what all the, these bad news bears need. From the grave, huh? From the grave. Yeah, from the grave. Uh. Well, well, it's not going to be the new guy to do it. It was, uh, why can I never remember? Billy Bob Thornton. It's not going to be Billy Bob Thornton doing it. <laughs> right. So, so, obviously, they need to find a way to bring back Walter Matthau. Uh-huh. So... Mm. That's the Toronto Maple Leafs for everybody. I mean, 4-0 and 0 was their start until they lost to um, to the Islanders. So let's the move Islanders on. will all be and, and Dave. I think it's a perfect segue. Uh-huh, thank you. Uh, so the New York Islanders are on top of the Atlantic Division, tied with Pittsburgh right now. Pittsburgh, of course, has one extra game, so New York Islanders are given that nice little topper there. So uh, I believe they do play tonight, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, by yeah, the time... against Nashville, and they're losing right now. But uh, that's probably, you know, by the time you listen to this, it's going to be all irrelevant. Well, Pekarene is a, a, a goaltender to uh, you know to. I guess look out. His jersey's going to space, Dave. He's no man to sneeze at. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> if, do you want to talk about that a little bit, or uh, no? Let's. Well, keep... yeah. It's, it's, they're the uh, last uh, space shuttle mission, space shuttle discovery, is carrying a National Predators Pecorino jersey. Why? Because the the Finnish astronaut really likes Pecorino. Um, that and the edge jersey is so much lighter, Dave. Yeah, I mean, you can carry 40 of them on there and not even notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I know I've been beating that dead horse for four years, but <laughs> darn it, the jersey community will not rest till they're gone. Um, <laughs> just saying, my little shout-out to sportslogos.net forums. Uh-huh. I love you guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough, tough thing with that. But Arena, jersey going to space, space shuttle going to be done. That's not different news. That's not what this show's about. Let's move on. Okay, so the New York Islanders. Uh, this uh, this kid, John Tavares. I don't even know this guy. This guy that just didn't even show up last year. Suddenly, he, oh, he's the number one draft pick of last year. That's right. I forgot about him. Yeah, uh, John, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he ends up getting the overtime winner against the Toronto Maple Leafs um, to stop the streak, uh, to, to quit the Leafs from blowing uh, away with the league lead there of, you know, five games. He stopped him at five or at four games with an overtime winner the other night, but he only played three games out of the six this year so far, kind of battling out a little bit of the injury bug. But all around, this team is such a mixture, almost like the Toronto Maple Leafs, of a bunch of either has-beens or newbies that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, yeah. pure example, of course. I mean, we're gonna go with Doug Waite uh, right off the draw. Milan Yersina, these are the two has-beens that really do come to mind. Uh, James Wisniewski, too. I mean, he's seen time in, what, Chicago and Anaheim, so suddenly he ends up on the Islanders. It's almost like, you know, maybe the Islanders are becoming the new Toronto where careers go to die, but uh, it might be a turn to the other direction because, uh, well, obviously, Dwayne Rollison has been playing some solid hockey, split in time with Rick DiPietro, who hasn't gone down yet with the hip flexor or anything yet. Yeah, I'm just saying it did you, Dave. <laughs> so so now he's going to get hurt. <laughs> I got him on my fantasy team because he was the last goalie left. And it's like, ah, jeez. I ended up picking Cristobal Huey, and this came the day after, literally, not even 24 hours after he said, I'm leaving the NHL. I was upset. <laughs> I was so upset. I'm like, well, this guy's going to be splitting time with Turco. This guy's going to be splitting time with Turco. Nope, he says peace out. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, but John, I don't do hockey anymore. John, let me ask you a question though. This this is the only problem that it, you know that I can see the New York Islanders having at this point. All right, they're they're riding high on some good success here, but they have an injury prone goaltender, and then they also have a forty one year old goaltender. What it, it, do you see yeah. anything wrong there? Yeah, I, I see a lot of things wrong. It seems that the the, the difference between the Islanders and the Leafs is mileage. Uh, obviously, if you have guys like Doug Wade, James Wazowski, even Zeon Kanopka and, and, and John Sim. Good God, John Sim. I didn't know he was still in the league. <laughs> uh, 
he was he was my boy back in the X Generation Penguins. Let's put it that way. That's how much mileage this guy has done. Uh, these guys, I, I look for them to fall apart within the next couple of weeks. Um, it's a machine that it's an improbable machine that should not be going, and because of that, it, it's likely to fall apart rather quickly. I, I, I don't see the Leafs winning the cup either, but I, I don't see the Islanders even making the playoffs. I'm sorry, I just I don't see it. And, and it these guys like like Josh Bailey and, and Blake Como, I mean, who are these people? We're talking about some people who are Islanders natives, uh, Islanders draft picks, trying to come in here and try to do these things. How long is some of these guys, what is a PA Parento, and, and how many years has he been playing minor hockey? <laughs> good, good God, just looking at his career regular season statistics. It, it, it borders on ridiculous how many teams he's been on and how long. <laughs> well, I, I, I just the mileage I think is going to be a much bigger factor for the Islanders than it will be on the Leafs. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. A lot of these guys started off with the Islanders. I mean, most of them are just draft picks that the Islanders just kind of kept going through the farm system. Well, actually, they didn't have to go through the farm system. They pretty much got a starting role. Uh, the Islanders were that bad after 2007. Um, they, they tasted the playoffs for a little bit there. They lost out to the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And I do remember all the beer bottles littering the ice. I think we talked about that on one show um, way back when. When we were, uh, was it? Yeah, that, that, that seems about right. I think we did a show on the raining beer bottles. But, um, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that being said, I mean, a lot of these guys um, actually maybe mm, better close to half maybe were on that team and have stuck around for the most part. But, you know, these players that are rising up like Matt Molson, Josh Bailey, and Blake Como, um, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed with the way this New York Islanders team is finally gelling together. Uh, I mean, the production level out of such guys as Tavares is yet to be seen, but yet he has three points in three games. Obviously the overtime winner against Toronto. But I'm just going to keep pointing back to the goals. I, I, I'm going to keep going back to the goaltender situation, rather. Uh, Dwayne Rolleston, a goaltender that's been around since he started way back in, what, 95, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He started out with the Buffalo Sabres or, um, yeah, he started with the Buffalo Sabres, I believe. Uh, he played the year that they, uh, in 1999, he, he played in the Cup Finals, or not in the Cup Finals, but in the Conference Finals. Hasek was battling some injuries and whatnot. And then, moving on, he went to the Minnesota Wild, took them to a conference uh, title game or uh, series against the Anaheim Ducks. So of course, the Ducks advanced on, lost to New Jersey back in, what was that, 2003. Uh, just uh, Dwayne Rollison is a storied goaltender, and he goes on and plays in the cup finals, gets hurt in game one uh, against um, the, the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So this guy has a lot of experience. He's got a lot of background, a lot of good history, not a lot of titles in there, obviously. No Stanley Cup victories for this guy, if I'm not mistaken. Does he have one in there somewhere, John? No, not that I see. Yeah, this is one of those goaltenders. Flames, Papers, Blues, Wild, Oilers, Islanders. Yeah, no. Yeah, did, did, did I cover them all? Who, who, who did I miss? What was his uh, history that I missed on there? He started with the Flames, went Flames. to the Sabres in 98, uh, to the Blues in 2000, where he didn't play a single game. Uh -huh. uh, then to the Wild all in 2001. Uh, the Oilers 2005, Islanders 2009. Yeah, yeah, that just says it all. No cup in there anywhere, and I don't. I, I'm gonna go out and say this bluntly: he's not gonna get it with the Islanders unless the Islanders suddenly become some sort of Im unimaginable force. Dwayne Rollison will not lead this team to a Stanley Cup this year. I, I he signed a two-year agreement, if I'm not mistaken, and this is one of two years in that contract and <laughs> it's pretty incredible how much faith they're putting in Rollison but then again look what they did with DiPietro they signed 15 years with this kid and what happens he's out for two with a hip injury uh, how many years to go on that contract 12 11 seriously 11 I think yeah <laughs> too long that's the answer Dave too, or much. too long and I remember that all-star game uh blatantly was it in, in Atlanta where he said oh yeah I, I effed up my hip which he said you know when nope. he was mic'd up so that was pretty much the story of his career so far in the last four years so 
what was what were they thinking? What was Garth Snow thinking when they signed him for 15 years? I mean, can't they uh, trade him or buy out his contract to save the franchise? Because you can get a better goaltender in there other than a 41-year-old goaltender that has a very storied history but maybe coming up to the end. I mean, granted, yes, Dominic Hasek played forever, but Dwayne Rolison is not Dominic Hasek. Well, you know why Dominic Hasek plays forever? Because there's no expiration date on a slinky, Dave. Uh, <laughs> other than that, you're not going to have someone like that. It's not going to happen. Uh, the Islanders are just going to have to keep working the farm system and the trade blocks to see if they can get themselves a real goaltender. Because neither of those guys are going to bring them a championship. Not anytime soon. Well, then let me ask you this before we move on to our next team. Uh, are the Islanders a fluke, or are they for real? Oh, well, well I mean, how do you define that? I'd say they're more than a fluke, but I don't see it lasting that long. Uh, I see it as they're, they're a team of the moment who is enjoying a bit of a streak. Okay, so tell me that they're the Buffalo Sabres of 2008-2009 who win 10 in a row and then lose out. Yeah, but without that playoffs run. Well, no, they didn't have a playoff run in 2008-2009. Didn't they? No, I think it was 07-08. No, that's right. It was 08-09. No, that's year they played against Ottawa, isn't it? No, that was 2007-2008. No, 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 no. I take that back. 2005-2006 was when they played Carolina Hurricanes in the conference finals. Then it was 2006-2007 that they played Ottawa in the conference finals, and then they missed the playoffs two years straight. The following season yeah. after they lost to Ottawa, they lo- they won 10 games straight in the beginning of the season, but missed the playoffs no, no, by no. four points. No, 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 it was points. the same year they played Ottawa. It was my freshman year at college. Are you sure? I remember that's when I first started to hate the Sabres because Sabres fans came out of the woodwork. Uh... Yes, I remember it quite well. Even during a fire drill, everyone was like, oh, I'm missing the Sabres game. I'm like, where are you, fans? Where did you come from? Hey, we've been around a lot longer than your Pittsburgh fans before Crosby. Yeah, your bandwagons happened, Dave. Hey, bandwagons happened, yes, in Washington, Pittsburgh, and even in Buffalo. But guess what? That two-year drought of Sabres playoff hockey shook the bandwagon so hard that a lot of people fell off that were bandwagoners, and the true fans have risen. Thank you. <laughs> well, just, just two years? Is that all it took? I mean, heck, he, I, even the Flyers fans I know are like, oh, we were in the basement for a year. Oh, jeepers, a whole year? <laughs> Sting it ain't so. Well, and you sold out all your tickets that year? Oh, probably because they were all sold at the beginning of the season. But, oh, gee. John, remember this. Your team and my team were both in the same situation. Uh, was it 2001 all the way through until post-lockout? Yes, yes, we were. We both were. Both of our teams missed the playoffs for years, years, like maybe three or four seasons straight. (laughs) But you see, Dave, the difference is, if you ask conspiracy theorists, Uh is that Gary Bettman likes us better. Oh, Jesus. Gary Gary Bettman hates the Sabres, and he loves Pittsburgh. Yes, we all know that Uh, conspiracy uh, theory. You're bringing on the conspiracy, eh, Dave? You're buying into it, huh? I ain't buying into it. Are you kidding me? Just put it this way. Pittsburgh got Crosby, Buffalo got Miller. Everything's hunky-dory now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll take that trade. Exactly. So we're even. And then Washington anyway, got Ovechkin. Uh, and if you look at my predictions on my uh, podcast from uh, the Hockey Week or Hockey Rant with David Sturge, you'll see that I my uh, well actually I didn't say it on there, but. On uh, one of my fantasy leagues, I predicted that it would be Buffalo-San Jose in the Stanley Cup Finals just to be absolutely crazy this year, just to go nuts. And I'll I'll tell you something off-air, but I've been wrong for four straight years uh, or four straight seasons calling the losers of the conference finals to go on to the Stanley Cup Finals. So I've been pretty close. So I'm just saying that it's going to be San Jose-Buffalo that will lose in the conference finals this year, obviously. Oh, that's what you're saying. No, it, it, in order to keep the record straight, yeah. I, my streak is alive, except it, it half came true last year. Chicago, of course, went on to win it, but I said it was going to be Washington-Chicago in the finals last year. Look how that turned out. Well, in matching your level of randomness, I found on NHL.com that there are no players that come from the Bahamas, Croatia, or <laughs> Lebanon. John, where... Or Venezuela, but they're still listed there. John, where I was going with that whole story was 
uh, my prediction was that Washington Buffalo would play in the conference finals. Ovechkin would suffer a terrible leg injury that would end his career. Ah, you're hoping, aren't you? No, actually, I was speaking for you. You just didn't realize it. Um, anyway. Uh, really? <laughs> if I had it my way in that conference final, the rink would empty itself out and swallow both teams whole. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, and then I'd also like to see the Console Energy Center melt because Mario Lemieux sprinkled a little bit of the igloo in the middle. Um, see, we both have hey, our don't own you make fun of that igloo. That uh, building is immaculate. It should be a church. Yeah, well, the odd I'm in Buffalo is supposed to be a church. church of Get out of here. The odd in Buffalo should have been a church. What happened to it? It got torn down. It's going to become a parking lot. Oy. Oh, well. Yeah, it, It's only a matter of time before they tear that thing down, John. Admit it. I know. I'm going to buy seats from it, Dave. I know. going to buy seats. I know. A lot of people bought up seats from the odd up in Buffalo. But anyway, let's get back to the stories here. Tampa Bay in the southeast right now is tied with Washington. Washington, I believe, is losing right now to Boston, which is pretty much solidifying Tampa Bay, you know, their small little lead here in the southeast. But this team last year, I mean, they, they went through some real big ups and downs as far as uh, management and uh, coaching. And now suddenly we're seeing the rise of Steve Stamkos. I mean, he had a strong season last year, scored 50 goals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and now he's starting to really show from the get that he is a player to watch out for. Nine points in five games so far, John. And Steve Downey's right behind him with, you know, six points. Y you got a good line out there. It's not the Martin St. Louis or the Vincent LeCavier's. It's now the Steven Stamkos and the Steve Downey's for some odd reason. What's up with Steve's? Well, it's something about the Steve's, Dave. Um, what I like to look at when it comes to teams that are anomalous uh, are how many zeros are at the bottom of the points column. How many players are not getting anything? How many players are not producing? Tampa Bay is leading that category by about three players at least. I'm not giving you exact numbers here. But it seems that Tampa Bay is a very top-heavy organization. Whereas there's one or two guys who are just dragging everyone along, kicking and screaming, like a Crosby Malkin kind of thing. Sam Coates and for whatever reason, Steve Downey. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Steve Sam dragging along the, the lightning as far as he can. And it'll be all about how far he can take them. Once he falters, that whole team will falter, and we'll see the south, the Southeast return to what the Southeast has always been, which is the Capitals winning everything every year because they're schmucks. Well, it, it hasn't always been that way. Remember Atlanta winning out the Southeast a few times and then getting swept by the Rangers. But still, that point oh, aside... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh-huh, thank you. Two I'm years sure straight. I'm fans, too, because they forgot all about the international Olympics. I know, they stopped showing up. <laughs> That being said, uh, one player that has really risen, though, that is not named Steve in any way, is Dominic Moore. This guy has jumped from team to team. He went from Toronto to Buffalo to Montreal to Florida and now has finally landed in Tampa Bay. And he leads, he, he's up there with Steve Stamkos in goals. I mean, it's not Vincent LeCavier, it's not Martin St. Louis, it's Dominic Moore and Steven Stamkos with the goal scoring. Of course, Steve Downey somehow is becoming a playmaker and still leads the team in penalty minutes, which is well expected. But, I mean, looking at their roster, they got players, John. They do have players. They got Simone Gagne, they got Vincent LeCavier, they got Mike Lundin, who is a strong defenseman, uh, Ryan Malone. Uh, Martin St. Louis, Steven Stamkos, and even strong on the defense as well. You could even argue for you know the new guy Victor Hedman and Pavel Kubina as an older guy that's kind of got some veteran experience in there. But in net, we saw what Mike Smith can do in Dallas, and he came to Tampa Bay under a shoddy team. But then Dan Ellis, uh, it's almost like the same paradigm that you have in New York with the Islanders. You got two iffy goaltenders. Argument? Well, but I'd also like to point out that with the exception of Malone and San Luis, you mentioned all guys who are towards the bottom of that scoring chart. Uh, really, I think the paradigm is shifting, and we're seeing some of the guys who, who we know as you know the big guys, the Cavalier, Gagne, uh, you know, just so, some of these guys are not the same as they used to be. They are going to be towards the bottom of the score sheets now. 
they are on their way out. I mean, Powell Sabino, good God, how long has that man been in the league? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's... Since, since 97. Yeah. Uh, and that's not including his time in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean... Really, I think, I think we're starting to see... I, I think we're starting to see the Tampa Bay Lightning has, having growing pains. And in this way, it's actually working out for them. They're still they're a little awkward, you know. They're starting to learn how, how long their legs really are as they're running on, down the season. Um, I, I don't know. I, I see this team having some success, but nowhere near the success that they would need to have another championship. And I, I'm still kind of baffled by that championship. You know, the goal was in, uh, but still. And these two goaltenders, I don't see either being strong enough to, to carry them. I have said time and time again, you need a great goaltender in order to win a Stanley Cup, and I don't think you're going to find it in Mike Smith or Dan Ellis. Well, Mike Smith did lead the Tampa Bay Lightning to a victory over a strong starting Dallas Stars team that were looking for their fifth straight win to go undefeated. Uh, It was the same night that the Islanders defeated Toronto, stopping them at four. Um, Lightning returned the same favor to Dallas. And, of course, we saw Vincent LeCavier went out of that game uh, well, he was scratched from that game. Um, he uh, took a what was it? He was hit on the on the first knuckle of his hand by a shot when they lost um, during a six to nothing loss at Florida. I mean, granted, that was a terrible loss. Six to nothing is a very tough loss for a team to take. But and then also they have Lacavie go down. But even still, the next night they go ahead and play against Dallas. And defeat them and stop this you know this fiery horse out of Dallas that last year. Would just looked abysmal. I think they finished at the bottom of the league, or towards the bottom somewhere, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think they finished third last or fourth last in the league last year. Um, but a Dallas, a basement team last year, suddenly rising up again, but the Lightning stopped them cold. Um, maybe it's not going to be that dependent upon Vincent LeCavier, but yeah, goaltending, Mike Smith still allowed four goals in that game against Dallas, and Dallas is still a team that's still trying to find their scoring touch, and they're finding it early on in the season. But, John, remember, Tampa Bay's only five games deep. I mean, once again, I'm going to ask the same question I did with the Islanders. Fluke or just, you know, flat-out, um, you know, the real thing? No, this is a flat-out fluke. And I was about to call you out on that prior to that. I mean, games happen. Every game can go any direction. I mean, there's 82 of them in a season, not counting playoffs. Uh, there's a reason because they go so many different directions each time. It's really hard to predict and say one game matters that much. As you ask Americans, that's a big problem in hockey. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Tampa Bay will go as far as Steve Stamkos can carry them. Uh, the rest of these guys, yeah, they do good things, but how long is it going to last? I don't think it's going to be long enough. And these two goaltenders are definitely not going to be the answer. Uh, I mean, they, they work in a bench. But they are not superstar goaltenders that, that a team like this would need. They are no Nikolai Hobby Pullen. All right. You still there with us, John? Yeah. Okay, sound like you cut out there for a second. All right, well, then let's just leave it at that. We've taken a look at the top three in the East. Um, we, we won't belabor things too much in the East. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it took how many games for Pittsburgh to finally win one at home? My boys haven't won one at home in Buffalo. Uh, you guys are finally getting your skates underneath uh, underneath them there. Um, Buffalo's starting to get their edge back with that nice four to one win against Atlanta last night. But let's transition over to the West. Let's 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 not look at the East and let's look at the West where we have a reigning Stanley Cup championship team, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks. Right now they are on top of the Central, but Nashville hasn't lost a game in regulation, and they're not too far behind. They're three games back of Chicago. Chicago, for some odd reason. Uh, I guess got the privilege of playing eight games before uh, uh, some teams have even reached their fifth game at that. Um, it, this team is different, to say the least. I mean, we've seen the loss of a lot of players like uh, Versteeg, uh, let's see, uh, Madden, uh, fill in the blanks here, Antti Niemi, obviously, uh, Brian Campbell's out on long-term uh, injury. Bob Flynn, uh, there's a lot of guys who left. Yeah, we the list goes on and on, but this team still has its front guys. But on the whole, it's not the same Chicago Blackhawks team that won the Stanley Cup. That's for certain, especially with bringing on Marty Turco. 
Yeah, Marty Turco is definitely the biggest question mark there. I can't believe they couldn't find a way to make a difference for, for Niemi. I mean, that was such a small change in, in salary. Uh, it quarters on ridiculous, really. Uh, Blaine Jalmerson on that one, his offer sheet mm-hmm. costing them far too much, especially considering Niemi was still out there. Yeah. Well, it, it so, some of the names also that I want to point out that just surprised me, I picked this guy up on a whim and uh, on my fantasy team, and he didn't look like he was going to go anywhere. It was kind of like towards the end of the draft, and I said, you know what, Thomas Kopecki, this is one guy I can actually see maybe producing this year and, and moving up to the first line considering the fact that we've seen a lot of players leave this squad. I mean... Uh, Dustin Bufflin's gone, so we don't have that versatile forward anymore. Thomas Kopecki could fill those shoes. Certainly he is now the number one guy up there in that front line. And Hosa, I mean, 11 points already in this young season. This guy is looking like he's riding off of a high from last season. And and so are all the Patricks. I mean, Patrick Sharp and Patrick Kane, uh, they, they look like they, they're not missing a beat. I mean, this team still looks like they're ready to go, but yet we have different names on it. Uh, it. It still looks like the same product as we saw finishing out last season. It really is astounding that this team is still going as well as it's going. I, I mean, there is a lot of good players still on that team. You can't take too far away from it. I mean, it's just a host that came and pays alone just says a lot. Uh, I'm sure any franchise in the league would be pleased to have them. But at the same time, how far is this going to last? Especially with Turco between the pipes. I, I know that Chicago was a vehicle for Hosa to exercise his jinx. Is it going to be for Turco? I have my doubts. Do I give him credit for taking such a pay cut? Absolutely. But he still chokes in the playoffs a lot, badly. Uh, is, this team is probably going to, to San Jose this season. Uh, probably going to look really good throughout the regular season and then do absolutely nothing come first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you look at other players as well, uh, such as uh, that have left this team, uh, the one thing I want to focus on here right now is the, the potential lacking on defense. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sopel and Eager were two guys. Uh, if, I, if I got the positions correct here, uh, as I jog my memory, I mean, Dustin Bufflin also doubled as a defenseman as well, but uh, these guys aren't with the team anymore, and suddenly there seems to be a hole because Brian Campbell out of the mix on injury on, on the IR list. They signed him, obviously, a few years back to a long-term contract, and all of a sudden they got an injured player that is just holding this team back a little bit on defense, but Looking at the numbers, I guess you couldn't tell differently because the goaltending is actually standing up. I mean, Marty Turco right now with a 93% save percentage and a 2.43 goals against. Those numbers look pretty decent uh, if you ask me for six games played. But his backup, though, Corey Crawford. I mean, I'm talking about defense here and backup goaltending. We're, We're looking for depth. Does Chicago have that same depth as they did last year? in order to be a repeat winner for the Stanley Cup? Well, I don't think you necessarily need that much depth in a goaltending situation. Uh, it seems to be the cool thing now for NHL teams to have you know, goalie 1A and goalie 1B. I have never really been a firm believer in that. I am always thinking, you know, there is a goalie and there is his backup. Um, I, I have always, you know, adhered to the Luongo, Jim, and McLennan style. Uh, that said... Corey Crawford isn't that big of a slouch, at least from what he's shown. Uh, I, I don't know that much about this kid, but having seen... You know, he's been around for a bit. He's played a lot for Norfolk and uh, then moved on to Rockford. Hey, can I just point out how much I hate the AHL and how much they, they switch their identities and their teams and who, who controls what team? Like, really, it, it really is, is terrible. Um, anyway, <laughs> I got to see Turco play against, I believe it was Calgary. And he looks a whole lot better than he had he did in Dallas. I think he almost has a new lease on life that the you know, these people actually believe him a little bit. They went out and signed him rather than being stuck with him from the year prior. I think he has a new boost of confidence and I think it's showing. 
Well, I certainly agree with you there. I mean, Corey, Corey Crawford is one guy that may be coming up through the ranks that, you know, Chicago can invest their time and effort in. Obviously, they had no qualms about letting Huey go, and they didn't rush to make him an offer to stay with the team. So they felt comfortable with Corey Crawford as their third stringer, moving up to the second string role after bringing in Turco. I mean, obviously, they didn't want to sit there and pay millions to keep Antti Niemi on board. I mean, taking a look at his performance right now in San Jose, it is anything but great. Uh, it's not so good. It's not looking good for San Jose. I mean, Antero Nidamaki and Antti Niemi, that is not a combination that's working out by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, just one mere win out of four games doesn't really sell me that the San Jose Sharks are that team that they have been for the last couple of years that contend for the, that continually contend for the cup. This year, not so much. I mean, I haven't seen much firepower out of their offense, and their defense is just abysmal. You know, I have never thought that, that Nabokov was the problem in San Jose. I always look at it as the forwards not hitting their next year, a playoff year, that every other team needs. Uh, and, and let's face it, Antonio is not an answer to any question, unless the question is how you ruin your goaltending teams. Uh <laughs> Miami, uh, he's so young, he's so unproven, he's had one great year. Could he be the next Cam Ward? Absolutely. You have to question that. The kid definitely needs a situation where he can be raised up right. If he has played well, he will be the next great goaltender. And if you keep throwing him in situations like this, he's going to end up being like Mark andre Fleury, a good goaltender but never a great goaltender. A goaltender who's always, you know, having to look over his back and see who are they going to put in now. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I think it's a, a real shame if he's forced to go down that route. Nittamaki, he's a waste of space. Uh, they, they've proven that in Philly and Tampa Bay, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anywhere else, but if there were, I'm, I'm sure even his minor league teams, that uh, they have proven he's a waste of space. Yeah, so... All right, well, with that being said, I mean, looking at that Pacific division now, L.A.'s on top of things with Dallas. I mean, these are two teams that I guess we didn't really anticipate moving up so high considering Phoenix and San Jose pretty much ran the gamut, and L.A. did make the playoffs last year. Um, But, I mean, L.A. is is a team that I think has shown the most improvement uh, obviously, since 2000, I mean, that was the last memorable season I can think of offhand where they defeated Detroit in the playoffs, which was uh, qu- quite an astounding thing. I mean, if you watch the video, I believe it was a, a Game 7 that they came back and uh, destroyed Detroit. Uh, they were down something like 4-1. to one. I can't remember the exact details, but there's an amazing YouTube video. Um, I don't know. You could probably find it underneath my favorites, but... Uh, this is a team with a bit of a storied history, especially with the, you know, the days of Gretzky gone, you know, in the past. But L.A. with Steve Bernier in net and Jonathan Quick at his backup, uh, I think that they have depth in goaltending. I'm going to argue for that. But all around with that roster, jeez, uh, you can go, you could talk day and night about these players that are on this team. Uh, they are absolutely fascinating. I mean, Ryan Smith, what a story this guy has had. I mean, starting his career in Edmonton, a tearful exit, going to, was it, the Islanders, and then the Islanders parting away with him, and then suddenly he, he ends up in LA or Colorado, and then Colorado dishes him off. He goes to L.A., and now he's starting to really click with this squad. I mean, the, they got a really good roster. I mean, Anze Kopitar, Justin Williams, Dustin Brown, Jarrett Stoll, you wouldn't expect his name to come up, but, I mean, he's a he's a strong centerman there. Um, Alexei Ponikorovsky, I'm sure a lot of people are upset that the, he's no longer on their teams, whichever teams they may be, like Toronto or was it not Pittsburgh? Um, am I correct? <laughs> I'm not all that upset, personally. Really? Okay, I thought you would be a little bit more upset he about that. He didn't do much in Pittsburgh. Well, he couldn't. He wasn't a good fit. Well, all right. But it, moving down the line, defense-wise, Drew Doughty's a really good defenseman there. Jack Johnson, of course, too. Uh, Rob Scuderi, I mean, a guy that we saw shine in the playoffs for Pittsburgh years back. Um, it, it's This team does show a lot of promise, and I think that they are going to trump Phoenix Coyotes' kind of roar to fame that they had last year, and I think it's going to be the Kings this year in that Pacific Division. 
Dave, I want to harken back to the uh, off season, not this past year, but the year before that, where I said LA is going to make the playoffs, uh-huh. and not only are they going to make the playoffs, but they're going to upset the first round team before probably getting swept. That was a little off on that. But everyone else was like, you're serious, aren't you? I believe your own fiancé said, you're serious, aren't you? And indeed I was. And the LA Kings did indeed make the playoffs when nobody expected them to. Psychic Dave, I might be. Uh, now, you're saying that, that Jonathan Bernier is, is ahead of Quick? I, I disagree. I think John Quick is the answer there. Uh, and, and I think that he's beloved in LA as far as I can tell. Uh, he has done a great job there, and uh, I think he, I think he just really fits in. He, even when he, when they have the throwback game against Vancouver, which if you didn't get to see pictures of that, see right. pictures of that. They didn't even wear names on the back of the sweater. I beautiful. saw that game. That was interesting. Yeah, they, they, I saw the replay on NHL Network. I was absolutely fascinated by the fact that, oh my God, you have to know these teams in order to know who's playing. And I I could tell who was playing because I, I followed the players well enough, but. Uh, it was pretty serious. And by the way, thanks for correcting me. It is Jonathan Bernier. I'm thinking of Steve Bernier, who obviously is now with uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, yeah, but but <laughs> Jonathan and Jonathan in between the pipes. Quick is definitely the answer there. Now, now this team has been pretty darn good uh, for whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> they they have been a team that has has gotten the right weapons, and they're definitely moving up in the uh, in the world. People like, uh, and my, my memory is completely failing me here, people like Smith and Brown and Kopitar really have done a fantastic job coming in there and, and doing something with nothing. And I guess it helps that there's been no expectations on this team. Uh, most of LA doesn't even realize what hockey is. So it, <laughs> it, it definitely is a low-pressure situation, and this team is slowly but surely making a name for themselves. Well, I, I definitely. So I want to know agree. what is an Andrea Lokshinov? <laughs> is that what? I, I don't even know. I let's just let's begin to wrap it up here. We're running out of time, and we're running out of cell phone battery here as we have you over the air. <laughs> Believe it or not, um, but uh, it, real quickly here, the Northwest. Can we both agree that there's going to be only one team coming out of the Northwest going into the playoffs? Um. I, I think so. Um, the Northwest has definitely not been the, the greatest of division, which is weird because it used to be such a meat grinder. Uh-huh. I, I think Calgary might have a shot at it. I hope Vancouver doesn't have a shot at it. They're, they're a perennial disappointment. Um, and Colorado, they're, they're such a wild card anymore. I mean, ever since you know the, the days of David Abishar have gone by, you can't predict whether they're going to be good or bad. Well, I, I, I might make a stronger argument that it's either going to be Colorado or Vancouver. I mean, the Northwest is almost like the Southeast. Uh, it's it's very, very close in parallels, but one team doesn't really have the superstar. I mean, some people can argue for Luongo for Vancouver, and then some people can make the argument for maybe Paul Stastny on Colorado. But, you know, the, the I think... I'm going to point to a Gimler in Calgary. You really think so? Again, uh, over this much time, you would think maybe he would shine a little bit brighter, but his name's kind of fading out, if you ask me. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I really, really hesitate. But come on, Dave. Aren't you going to give a little more credit to Alex Hemsky and Edmonton? Come on. Really? Everyone knows you. Hey, you were Mr. Oilers the past two seasons. Okay. Do you want to hey, jump on that bandwagon again? Get off my back. Do you really want to go back to the old way our show used to be? I will reach across the table and I will strangle you. Yes, you called me and out. And then weeks later, I will show you the clip where you were wrong and be like, oh, John, I was right there. John, listen, yes, I may be a stubborn SOB, but you know what? I am actually going to agree with you. Edmonton, I was definitely barking up the wrong uh, the wrong tree. Sam Gagne, Alice Hemsky, Dustin Penner, Sean Horkoff, Tom Gilbert, uh, all of you, all of you disappointed me. I'll even go so far to say Zach Stortini. Andrew Cogliano, I had so much faith in this kid. This team is the biggest disappointment. I mean, the only thing I'll say that that is good coming out of this team is obviously Nick Habibulin, who's probably going to die in the middle of a game. Uh, it's just he's going to get arrested again. Was that? 
Or get arrested again. Well, yeah, he, he could follow in the steps of Dominic Hasek and become a drunk. I don't know. That That is yet to be seen. But the only two players on this team that I'm going to call out and say are even worth watching is uh, Magnus Pajarvi. Pajarvi, uh, I believe his uh, second part of his name is Svensson. Pajarvi Svensson. He's just got a cool name. Pajarvi Svensson. Exactly. Magnus Pajarvi Svensson. Yeah. Yes. We, made, we, we, we had some fun with that name when he got drafted. Um, but uh, Pajarvi Svensson. The goal of the year came off the stick of Jordan Eberle. Did you see that goal yet, John? I believe I did. Uh, it, it's a beaut. I, I suggest all of our fans look it up. I know we're cutting close here on time, uh, but uh, everybody check out Jordan Everly's goal. Hands down, I believe it's the goal of the year, and it may stand that way for quite some time. Sick moves, sick moves. I'll leave it at that. But, yes, I was wrong about Edmonton. John, you've got me. You've cornered me, and I'm admitting it. I was wrong about Edmonton. This is this Now, I'll get you to do that about Vancouver and eventually Buffalo, and then we'll, then we'll have a win there. No, you'll never have me admit it about Buffalo. Buffalo <laughs> is what I would like to call this year's dark horse. Everyone saw what they could do throughout the season last year, and yes, they did choke against Boston in the first round because they didn't have depth in scoring. They thought Rafi Torres was an answer to a question nobody asked, and I thought it was pathetic. That was absolutely pathetic. So Buffalo has learned its lesson this time around. They're going to go a lot deeper this year. You're going to see it, John. And um, hopefully we don't have to witness uh, something that Pittsburgh had to witness, uh, you know, in the way they fell last year to a powerful Montreal Canadiens team that will not be as powerful this year. I blame the Olympics. <laughs> we had no one going, and they suddenly got a whole lot better. John, we have a million more topics we could have obviously plugged into tonight's show. We did go off on a 10-minute tangent about uh, Rick Rippon, of course, but uh, shall we meet again real soon? to discuss more here on Hockey Week Prime. Absolutely, Dave, and hopefully it'll be over the videomographic of phone. Well, if not, I think this audio thing works out pretty cool as well. It sounds like we're on an actual radio show, uh, possibly competing with that of the great Puck Daddy on Yahoo Sports. He's got Puck Daddy Radio. radio. Yeah, he's on iTunes now. He's got a podcast. Oh, jeez. Yeah, everybody's following in the footsteps of David Stearns and John Baranowski. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. With NHL Hockey Rant Day. Yes, I know. I started that thing years ago. I took a one-year hiatus, but I came back to it. I broadcasted one show, and I will continue to do so. So I suggest oh, everybody back, check huh? it out. Yeah, I'm back. Check Very it out. Nice. Show I'll 81. Uh huh. You have to listen to it. I went through a whole thing about the whole league, and it's, yeah, this year is the year of hockey, and John Baranowski and David Stearns are back to make it happen and John, up there in Mercyhurst, good luck, sir, and we will talk soon. Of course, Dave. It's been fun. All right. I'm David Stearns for Hockey Week Prime, and that's John Baranowski on the other end. Good night, everybody, and, of course, as always, don't stop believing.